Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to drlauribethbisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, an accredited advanced gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist, a sex and intimacy coach. And I've been working with people for the last 35 years, helping them to create and maintain incredible relationships with sizzling sex and without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And this week, the letter is R, and R is for rites of passage. And joining me today, again, I have my leather sister, Kiana, Mrs. Blue Frost Green. Kiana Green, known in the leather community as Mrs. Blue Frost, is a professional life coach, content creator, holistic heat path facilitator, and all-round passion professional. She served as the Northeast Regional Representative for people living in authority transfer relationships, going on to serve as the International Representative in 2018. She serves on the board and staff of an international special interest conference held in Washington, D.C. each year. She's been active in her local community for over a decade as she enjoys sharing life choice experiences and information with others. She routinely speaks at national conferences for special interest groups to help further educate and empower people looking to live in healthy, sustainable power exchange relationships free of judgment and justification through surrender, service, and self-development. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, sister. My pleasure. So we've been talking about this a lot. Um, and um, for those of you who listen to P is for perimenopause, that was one rite of passage that we spoke about. But we've spent a lot of time recently talking about um, the rites of passage we go through over our lifetime. Yes. And specifically the ones that women go through that initially are the focus is on our biology. Yeah, right. So we know that, you know, all people, we all age. That is the one thing that we cannot stop. And it happens with all people, regardless of their biology. Right. 
And so we all go through certain health rites of passage growing up. But we've learned, because these are the experiences that we've lived, that women go through some rites of passage that are very, very challenging. Mm. Well, and you talk about what a rite of passage is. Yeah. Um, and it's, so a rite of passage is, is a rite, is a, is a ceremony or a ritual um, um, that is something that is used in order to facilitate a change of state from one state of being to another state of being. Um, and so people don't really often don't really think about that, that that's what rites of passage was for or for. If you look back at tribal societies and things like when puberty came along, which is the life stage, um, there were specific rites of passage for young women and young men. Um, and in fact, for those of third gender in many cultures that had to do with moving from childhood to adulthood. So there was the change of state and the change of responsibility. And so not only do you move physically, as we said, you have the physical changes, but your psychology changes as well. Um, your responsibility, your social role changes. So the rite of passage was supposed to help you facilitate that move. Right. And so in the modern day era, and especially in the Western world, there are some rites of passages that we all experience, i.e. going to grade school, you know, and, and then moving on to, say, a middle or junior school and then to a high school and then to a university or college. Right. And so those are the types of things that are educational rites of passage. Then you may learn how to drive a vehicle. You know, you may learn how to ride the tube or public transportation for the first time. These are things that are rites of passage nowadays because of the modern world. But the biology of things doesn't change century over century. True. And marking the changes in, in these big stages of life is particularly important because the challenges are particularly important. Um, and I wrote, um, I co-authored a book on rites of passage uh, back in 2000 and 2001, which is out of print at the moment. Um, and I am doing some work to, you know, maybe rework some of that. Um, but um, we, I talked about in there that for many people, therapy is a modern rite of passage. Yes. Um, because the work of therapy is, the, is, is working to change your mind state. Yes. Of, from one place, often where people are stuck or they're in a, in a um, unknowing, they're not understanding, they're looking for meaning and understanding in order to move to another state. And that very frequently people come to therapy to look at their childhood and what happened with their childhood and to be, separate and individuate into their um, separate and independent adult personalities right so right. they're 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 trying to make that separation that maybe didn't come about as easily psychologically as they would have hoped sure which when you think about it, it it's is you know it's it's analogous to when they you would go off with the the elders the wise people in in the hut and you would make that movement you'd learn that right. information there's an educational component where you learn information, but you'd also analyze your experience and you'd have a transformational experience. 
Yes. Just one hopes if you have good therapy that you have a transformation. Transformational experience for sure. You can for come sure. out the other end a different person. Right. And so a lot of these things that we talk about uh, and nowadays, we don't really have the celebrations that mark mm -hmm. some of these rituals, especially those things that happen um, biologically with our bodies. So we were talking about this as it relates to women and what their rites of passage are as we move through from girlhood to cronehood. And, you know, the very first thing that we talk about is sort of like getting your menstrual cycle, like first off, you know, how much information, you know, do you have about that before that happens? Because it's a different time period for every young girl. So it's not like you can say, as soon as they turn 12, we can have that conversation. Cause I know for me, my menstrual cycle started when I was 11. I was 10. And, and there was at least one girl in my class who was nine. Right. So at what point as a parent, are you even prepared because you don't necessarily know when it's coming to have that conversation, right? So we start to try to have those conversations in a way that young people, you know, young girls can understand at an early age, but it is almost nothing that can prepare you conversation-wise for how that's going to happen. And you know, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage that comes quickly and sometimes not with as much information as you would like. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting things about that is that, um, you know, although there's more information available to people because of the internet and things like that, um, it, it doesn't really take into account a, a, the feeling experience of this momentous change. And, um, you know, back in my day, there, the, it was expected your parents would give you this information. Um, you didn't really get it in school in time, usually. In time, yeah. Some, some, some girls did, but, but yes. most of us did, didn't get it in time. Mm -hmm. But it was expected that your mother would give you this information. Um, in many households, that's not what happened. Right. Um, you know, in my household, my father was a doctor. So my mother, who found it awkward to talk about, which was not unusual, Right. At all. Um, gave my father the task of explaining to me the process of reproduction. And I was mortified because I didn't care that he was a doctor. He was still my father. Your father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't yeah, want to my talk mom, about reproduction with him. Right. My mom explained it, you know, but it, as a small, as a kid, you're not really understanding what that means no. so th there was conversation that we had about it and I was like yeah yeah I get it like okay this is what's gonna happen but I didn't really understand what was like you said how it was actually going to feel to have that happen and and also what it meant and so I mean I just you know we've had this conversation that um in, in many cultures the transition to womanhood not only means more responsibilities and more joys, but means you're at risk. Um, yes. And there are many ethnic groups who, who believe that, um, that menstruation makes you a, a vulnerable to evil. Mm -hmm. um, and some who believe that it's unclean, depending, right? right. But the vulnerable to evil is important because um, one of the first things that happened to me when I got my period was I got slapped. Well, yes. Well, I did not get slapped, but I certainly got hit yeah. by every woman 
who visited my home to hit me and my family because my mom had told every woman that was in my family. Way. Yeah, because and but that was like it was the prevention of the evil eye. And yeah. I mean, it was scary enough suddenly bleeding, even though I knew right a bit about right. it. But then to have this happen and um and to really have no at nine, no real concept what that meant meant. Yeah. Right. That um I could grow a baby. Yeah. Because at that point, they literally don't, I don't know if I, again, now that you bring that up, I didn't have those two things put together at the time, because no. of course I'm, a, I'm 11. <laughs> so yeah, I did not understand that those two things went together at that time. I so just nine, I that. had the information and I start ble- bleeding at 10. I didn't have those two things together. Yeah, me I, I mean, I didn't get it. I didn't, I, I understood that the uterus was part of this process because I'd been told about reproduction but sure. what I didn't understand was the significance of beginning to menstruate which is right. which is the beginning of your fertility yes of your active fertility active yeah um and so there everybody has all these feelings about it in the family yeah like 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 your culture my culture everybody gets told nobody get, I didn't consent for the whole world to know but everybody well, knew they all knew and they, they all, all had knew. something to say about it interestingly enough and it becomes a thing where maybe you know as as we've aged and you know seen other you know young women go through different uh, rites of passage as it relates to beginning their menstrual cycle it's an awkward period that they aren't even sure really how they would respond in that situation they're also reflective on how they it happened for them right So a lot of times when you look back at it, it's a thing where it's like, it's an awkward phase for not just you, the one who was going and marking that, you know, change of life, but also for all of the people who are sort of welcoming you, but they have that sense of, oh, what's this mean now? Yes. And, and in, in many cultures, you know, this would, this would have been, if we look pre-modern world, this would have been the time at which... Um, you are marking the transition to adulthood. That yeah. is the transition to adulthood. And I know that people have a lot of trouble thinking about it that way now because- In the modern world. In the modern yeah. world, because nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, we've been raising ages of consent, not lowering them, right? So, right. so but that is the marker for girls of adulthood. Yeah, yeah. So rites of passage around that and um, and actually trying to construct something that um, is hopefully more useful. And meaningful. Meaningful and to help deal with all the feelings and concerns yes. and questions that come up. Um, and I know, you know, um, mothers and fathers who, um, parents who are now um, raising people who are going through that rite of passage and who yes. are um, coming up with different ways of dealing with it. But yep. it, it, what, I also, what I find really um, heartening is it was a celebration. And it, it should be again. And, and, and so I'm seeing more of it being a celebration again. Yes. So that like is the first one. And then, um, you know, we talk about motherhood a lot. Motherhood gets talked about a lot. So um, 
on this show, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because there's so much. Um, yeah. But when we work with people and when we do our group, we will do all of them. So, and, um, you know, there's coupling usually before motherhood, but not always. <laughs> right. Coupling of some time, tight marriage, living together, um, which is also that relationship, that adult relationship is also becomes a rite of passage. But there's a lot of emphasis put on the transition to motherhood. Um, and we talked about perimenopause and, many, and menopause, but not about what the transition through that and to cronehood really actually looks like and is. Right. So that's an, it's another part of the rites of passage that women go through that is secretive, that folks don't really talk about because there is so much emotional transition that goes with it ton of stigma um you know if you look at different cultures around the world you look at cultures where elders are are um respected and venerated that rite of passage looks very different um than in situations where um and cultures where it isn't um so for example um in in japan where um elders are more venerated the rite of passage the transition looks different than it does in the united states where elders are definitely anything but venerated you know you, right youth is what what people look at and so for um women transitioning through menopause and out the other side um that rite of passage in countries where and in cultures where uh, being um an elder is not valued yeah, um, it is uh, an, often an incredibly difficult passage. And it makes that that makes sense, because if you are constantly idolizing youth, then the fact that you're moving through stages where you're losing that fertility, which says, you know, youth, right? Uh, you know, how would you feel about that? Not to mention you know, what it actually is, the actual process of going through getting to menopause, right? Because that's another thing. Whereas menstruation in the beginning of a period is marked at that moment of flow, right? Of menstruation yep. flow. That is not the quick cutoff of the menstrual cycle in, in, in menopause. So menopause actually says it's the end. But what you have to take to get to the end, <laughs> well, and, and, it's and, quite and a it's, journey. It's it's the it's the end of the passage. Then you're in postmenopause, and again, we right. don't talk about that. There's um, nothing about and, that. And so it's really interesting for me because, um, you know, when I hit sort of forty-five, I, now keeping in mind that I had my son at thirty-nine. Yes. <laughs> so it was quite late to be to be doing the motherhood thing. And having a child puts you right in that stage, right in that right. Like, mm -hmm. even if your body would have been moving towards perimenopause or something like that, the actual act of it, what you go through, what your body goes through, um, the hormonal transitions your body goes through and all of yeah. that um, with um, birthing and with, um, preg with pregnancy, birth and breastfeeding, if yeah. you breastfeed, 
it's huge and the hormonal profile and changes are huge. So um, no matter where you were heading, when you make the decision to do that, if you actually um, carry yourself and you do it, yes. um, you're then in motherhood in the, in the mother phase and that's where you are. Um, so there was none of the sort of trepidation at 40 and at, at you know, at 45 that some of the people that I knew who were um, in perimenopause and looking towards cronehood yeah. were experiencing because I was still very much um, in that fertile period. Act of mothering, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but there was a very quick transition for me from mm. that because, um, you know, by um, 48, 49, I was in active menopause, you know. Right. Um, you know, perimenopause to active menopause. And by 51, I was done, uh, sort of. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> I have symptoms still, and, and that's not unusual. There are many women who um, continue to have different symptoms afterwards. But by 51, I was done. Um, and I ended up having to have a hysterectomy, which made me done, done, done. Because done, right. As I've as said before, you know, the ovaries do put out hormones for many, many years after the actual um, transition out of menopause. But yeah. um, if you have your ovaries removed, then, you know, you have no, none of those hormones are being put out because that's where they come from. So. Right. So we talk about, and, and so because there's a lot of, it, I think the rites of passage for women really depend on how it began for you and, and for you to go through all of the different rites of it. And for at the end, for you to to kind of feel good about it, because if there was a lot of shame or hiding or anything that's, you know, in the negative or has a negative feeling behind gaining your period, keeping your period, whatever it takes to stay fertile, if you want to have children, if you don't, you know, there's so many things that through that cycle, you have to constantly monitor. I'll say that's the right word because, you know, you don't want to have a child before you're ready. So then there's birth control that you're trying to do there, which is another way of moving hormones around in your body. Right. Then there's the time where you may want to have a child and it's not as easy as you thought it would be. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some folks have children way earlier in their lifetime than they ever expected. I'm one of those people. I, I did not expect to have children in my lifetime. I didn't really want to, but I ended up pregnant when I was 23 years old. Right. So it was like, oh, okay. You know, so those things actually have you thinking through your time frame of all of the rights that you go through, how you actually feel in each one of those stages. And if there were some better markings of passage, some better rituals, some great celebrations that that gives you for reflection and growth. The springboard to the next right, I believe, and I'm hoping, uh, would, be, would have been different. Like my personal experience, there was so much, because there was so much transparency about me first getting my cycle at a very young age, then I wanted to hide everything else or keep safe everything else that had to deal with my cycle, you know, until I was 16 years old dealing with, you know, cramps so bad I could barely go to school was then that was the moment again where I had a contact with my mom about it, but I hadn't talked to her about it 
since the time I was, you know, 11, because I had the, you know, you have your, your, your pad starter pack, right? And so then there's so much surrounding that. Then again, I'm fertile enough to have a child in my early 20s where I did not really prepare for that. So now that's another thing I'm working to try to figure out. And so now that I'm moving through into the perimenopause phase, I have to actively work against not having shame and not having, um, not being vulnerable about it because I've done that with every other stage. Well, I also think, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that, that impact this, this part of our sexuality and it is part of our sexuality and our yeah. sexuality is tied to procreation, even when we choose not to procreate because that's what our biology sets us up for. Right. Um, you know, and so you also have things like sexual violence interfering, you know, and so the, the, yes. mark, the, the, the fact that I had a period meant that, you know, I was at risk. Mm-hmm. I was at risk because that meant that I could get pregnant. And this, yep. I, I'm imagining what, you know, my, my parents would have been and, thinking and express and it, but, and it expressed the risk, right. Um, there was a risk because it, when I started having sexual feelings, cause now you've got the hormonal component that I would act on these and, and, and be reckless and reckless with my reputation, which was an issue back then, um, um, or, you know, get pregnant or catch a disease or something like that. Um, and, and so there was all sorts of, um, the shame wasn't around the period per se. The shame was around the behavior, the, the seeing yourself as an active sexual, as an actual sexual human being. Yeah. Um, and that was the issue. That was the issue it was raised. But I also experienced sexual violence at 19. Um, and so that experiencing severe sexual violence and the impact of that on my conception of yeah. my biology and my reproductive cycle um, was pretty intense. You know, so it, I, there was that point at which I had to work through what this actually meant and what it actually looked like and it and there was no way to divorce that from my the actual my actual physical body because it was violence against my physical body right um and so that there's that as well the later rights for me are very interesting so you know i mean i'm turning 60 in a few weeks and um, yeah (laughs) yeah um i can't believe it um I am much more aware of aging and issues around aging and um, the way in which society views older women um, Mm -hmm. than I was um, in my early 50s. I finally I'm showing signs of aging. In my early 50s, most people had no idea I was in my early 50s, right? Right. Um, and people still would not, when I say I'm, I'm going to be 60, you know, many people are like, no way, but I, there are definite signs of aging because I no longer have the hormones that I did. You know, I've got collagen loss. So I've got, you know, places in my face that are fallen and I've got some wrinkles, not very many, but I still have them. And I'm, you know, not doing the things that some people do. Certainly. I mean, uh, one of the things that nobody prepares you for, it's not just the fact that y- your breasts fall, that was bad enough, um, but that you lose yeah. tissue, you lose volume, which right. is bizarre, right? 
Um, and the reason you lose volume is because you actually are losing the milk producing ducts, right? Right. So there's reasons for these things. Your body doesn't need that anymore. There anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't prepared for that at all. Um, and, and these are all things that, that affect your physical appearance. Yes. Um, and the way in which society at large generally looks at us in, in Western culture. And so it's, um, it's been really an interesting challenge for me to deal with, you know, how I transition and what parts of my style I choose to keep, um, you know, you know, with some well-meaning people telling me that at my age, I should consider uh, yeah. not wearing this and not doing that. Like, maybe you should consider not wearing leather anymore. And like, as yeah. though somehow suddenly, you know, um, that you, I'm not sure what, or, or suddenly, <laughs> yeah. you know, suddenly it's inappropriate, right? Because right. Right. you're older. Well, you know, you know that's, a, again, those are also perceptions you know, the projections that people put on to you of what you quote unquote should or should not, you know, be doing. And, you know, those are not things I necessarily pay any attention to, but I definitely understand like the differences of when you're like, this isn't the me I remember being, you know, so a part of being, you know, an adult period is there you go stretches of decades where you're the same. And then the moment comes when it's different, right? And you're like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, the, you know, the no fucks given for me has built over the years. You know, um, I really don't care when somebody says I shouldn't be wearing, I, I don't give a shit. I wear what I want to wear. That part. Um, and I actually am less self-conscious than I would have been 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and, and particularly like 15 years ago as to what right. other people thought. I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck you, right? Um, you know, I, I, I'm critical. I might be critical of myself. That's what I think. That's not what other people think. Yeah. Um, But there's also this whole thing about how you sit with the mantle of being a wise woman or a Mm -hmm. And I remember I must be two or three years ago. I mean, at least 2019 probably was because it was the last event, a leather Ah. event I was at. Pre-COVID. You know, I was, yeah, pre-COVID, but I was, I mean, I was already a crone, right? Mm -hmm. And and, uh, not that I would have owned that at all, Um, (laughs) but, you know, and um, a young woman said something to me and and called me ma'am. And I just was like, I am not a (laughs) ma'am. I'm not dominant. I'm not a ma'am. It's not a title that I like. find something else to call me, but that's not it, right? <laughs> and I was just really, it really drove me crazy. But what it was, was a mark of respect. Mm-hmm. It, 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 ma'am was a mark of, of, of respect. And I woke up one day and I realized, and I was thinking about this a lot with this birthday coming up. I'm like an elder now. Yes. <laughs> How did that happen? Yes. You're the exact kind of elder that people want. The kind that that has had life lived experience and is actually a wise woman in experience, not just in age, to be able to to come to and have conversations. I mean, we didn't have those options. We didn't have women who were, you know, in their cronehood who were willing 
to have the conversations with us. Because yes, there's always older women. There's always wiser women in the communities, but there's only a few who will want to share with you. Absolutely. Um, And so I'm okay with it now. You know, yeah. um, but it's it, it's an interesting transition for me. Yeah. You know, it's um, I said like I'll I'll wear I I'll wear auntie. I don't <laughs> I don't really want to I don't really want to be anybody's mama. You'll take auntie. You know, I raised my child. That, that that's a thing, right? Right. I'm not looking you know, at other people, but I'll wear auntie. I I was thinking about this. Honestly, you had you had mentioned you had a post out saying, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll accept it. You know, I'm in this place. And I just started thinking for myself, like, what do I think would best fit me? Right. And I've made the same thought process, like, huh, am I a mama? Am I an auntie? Like, how does that go? And I've literally just said, you know, whatever it is that people are called to do, whatever that I'm bringing forth for them is what I will accept. And the reason I did that, I did that with my, my nephews and my nieces, whatever it is that you feel, you know, cause you can, you can definitely want something. Like I, I, I remember my mom because, you know, I, we had children young, my sisters and I, so she was a young grandmother and she was like, no way am I going to be called grandmother? No, no, no. I'm going to, and I can't even remember what it was that she wanted to be called at this point. But the first grandchild came and when he began to speak, he called her granny. Granny of all the things. And she's been a granny ever since, a proud granny, right? And so the matter is, so I I take that and say, you know, whatever it is that people feel called to do, that must be the energy I'm giving them in that moment in space and time. And so I will accept it, right? Because what I want to accept more than anything is cronehood. I want to be here for it and I want to celebrate it. And, you know, those are the things that I would love to be able to, you know, embark on and give those same feelings, give a person a place to put them to feel and know that they're okay and that they can get through it. And on the other side can be just as enjoyable as all the other stages. Well, and and for me, you know, there really is this thing about um, wanting there to be a way to celebrate this passage in particular um, that retains the sense of women as should they wish to be still um, sexual human beings, still sexual human beings, still physical, um, still involved and engaged. Yeah. Rather than moves to a kind of model of sort of, you know, oh, I'll teach you to knit or I'll teach you, you know, <laughs> that part of my life is gone now. Right. Um, which which is so much what I have heard over the years. And so when we look at the, like rites of passage around sexuality in particular, um, you know, one of the ones that everybody talks about is the loss of virginity, your first sexual experience, which Thanks. is, you know, another one. But um actually there are ones that come with change. And so it's definitely, you know, each section, each period of life has its different, a variety of different challenges. You'll experience some and you won't experience others. And for us to look at the ways to impart this knowledge to people, not just, um, you know, here are the five facts or the 10, you know, like, you know, not just a blog article and say, right, right. 
nobody told you about menopause or after <laughs> menopause, you know. Right, where they get the AI machine to write you the top mm -hmm. five, you know, menopause symptoms or things you can do to feel better. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I I would like to be able to see spaces created where you can pass on the knowledge with also the understanding of feeling and the suggestions of the skills and tasks that one might have during that time period. Yes. Um, the things to look forward to, the things that might be troublesome and how you can approach it. And knowing that you can have a community of people who will be supportive and provide you with safe space and respect, and you're being welcomed into that community. Very much so. And since we did notice that, you know, there is, that is missing in the community, in the world at large, it was something that we talked about being able to provide. If you see something, you know, they say, if you see here in America, if you see something, say something. So it's like, you see, there's a hole and now we're in a unique position, having the life experience, right, to offer a place, a safe space such as that. And so you and I have started a group. It's called the Women's Rights of Passage Group. And this is exactly what this group is for, is for us to have and continue to have these types of conversations you and I are having today, just to let folks know that these transitions and stages are not only perfectly normal, but should be celebrated. Absolutely. Each stage so of life. Each stage live, of life. Live every single day until you die. Right? Right. And then, but there are times where, you know, there are, you would love to have just a safe space to be able to scream into the void even, right? True. Every and day is not a celebration, right? Every day there's some challenges. There are some, and, and you know, but those challenges present opportunities to grow. So a safe space where people who have maybe lived through some of those experiences that are able to hold you and hold a space, a container for you to, to, to speak transparently, vulnerably, and to get the support that you may not otherwise have if you don't already have a community of village of women to hold you up. Absolutely. And I mean, I think the other thing that's important to note is that a lot of transitions are initiatory. You know, rites yes. of passages were about initiating you into womanhood. So, so all of the best rites had some artifice, some way of helping you over that threshold. Right. Helping you to make that change um, helping you to solidify that change, solidify your stance mm -hmm. in the new time. Um, and so it's our hope that by um, doing this six month group, we give people not only the space, but the tools to create their own really personal and special rites of passage. Okay. Um, in in a community of um, women undergoing those similar transitions. Um, and we are starting in March because March is Women's History Month. It is. And also because in March I turned 60. So it's, uh, that is it also why we are doing this. We are celebrating Dr. Oh Lori Beth in March for all of what she is as a woman. It is her rite of passage moving into her 60th year on this earth. And so this is going to be a phenomenal group. 
uh, every month we meet for a live two-hour session to have discussions on the month's topics. Uh, every month you will get a customizable guide with that topic of, of the month so that we can be ready with our most interesting conversations and questions during our two-hour virtual discussion. And it gives you tons and tons of opportunity to gain uh, camaraderie, membership, fellowship with other women, and the opportunity to work with Dr. Lori Beth. Uh, she is a therapist and an intimacy coach and a psychologist. And so there's so much wealth of experience and knowledge there. And also me, I am a ICF professional a coach. So they're helping people go through self-development features in their life. So we have so much planned um, for this group. And we are also excited for what ones and what the others can bring to the group. Yeah. The two of us have had our experiences and we have a collective combined experience from some of our clients that we've talked to over the years. But we would love to know and, and, and be in relationship with other women and learn what their lived experiences have been. Absolutely. And the focus in the group will definitely be on um, emotion and feeling. Um, and yes, cognition is always a part of it, but we won't be having intellectual debates. No. Um, there will be a uh, video in every month's packet. There will be uh, audio, there will be resources. So there's a lot that, of work that you get to do. And you see a lot of what we have to say on things before you get to the group to make sure that we maximize the time that people have to share their experience and to interact um, instead of lecturing. Like we're not, we're not planning on that. We, we want you to have the kind of lecture material in advance. That way then the group time can be an interacting time. Right. And although we are talking about from girlhood to cronehood, this is an adult space. So, you know, this is not this is not for uh, young women who are just getting their cycles and things of that nature. This is definitely a 21 and over event because there are some things that we are speaking about, uh, you know, that is sex related. And we don't want uh, minors to have, that is not our place and role for us to be guiding minors at this time. That is for their parents. So just wanted to be sure that you understand that and that this is whoever's listening to this in the sound of our voice. Uh, this is definitely um, for adults only. It's a safe space and it is a confidential space. So those are places where you can feel safe in your vulnerability. Because again, as the doctors mentioned, this is about our feelings. Yep. We're not putting things up for intellectual debate about what is and what isn't. We're about what we're feeling, our individual experiences, and that's what we're bringing to and the what table. We're living. And there's plenty of space for intellectual debate. That's why. I mean, this is this is what we felt was lacking. Um, so if you're interested, we're still in the early bird period. Um, it's it's very accessible price-wise, and that's deliberate even outside of the early bird period, it's accessible, but the early bird yeah. period, it makes it extremely accessible. Yeah. Um, so if you want to grab that, you need to go sign up now. Um, the probably easiest way is on, well, if you're listening to this podcast in the podcast notes, there will be a link. Um, both of our social media and our websites have, all the information. the information. Yep. 
So we really hope that to, to see people and that they can join the group. And this has been a lovely experience as always to be on your podcast, sister, to discuss things uh, that aren't so frequently discussed in ways that we would like to see them. Thank you. It's wonderful having you. I always love spending time with you. And guys, next week, the letter is S. Um, I've got a special treat for you. S is for statistics. And I'm being joined by Casey Willis. And we're talking about the statistics around um, pornography use um, and um, specifically um, uh, uh, the vast wealth of information that Pornhub collects and puts out um, and uh, what we think about that and some of the trends. And uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss that. Again, if you have a subject you want to hear about or somebody you want to hear from, do email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com to tell me what it is that you want to see or hear. Um, if you are interested in having a fun and relaxing afternoon or evening on the 21st of March, I am having an online birthday party. Uh, there will be, yeah, I, I like to do this now. We started this during um, uh, COVID and we've continued. Um, there will be uh, readings from erotica. There will be storytelling from different people. There will be um, some silly games and there will be prizes and giveaways of books, to really cool toys, um and the opportunity to just kind of kick back and celebrate the fact that i've actually been on this planet for 60 years uh if you're interested in that in the podcast notes as well will be the link to the google form to fill in to register your interest and um when i receive it i will uh send people the details that they need to join us have an amazing week and be safe and I look forward to seeing you in the group and at the birthday party and here soon. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it, but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. And I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.